0: Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at JudyRodman.com. Okay, so I try to make every episode of All Things Vocal special, but this one's going to be super special. I'm going to play an interview I just did with motivational speaker and singer-songwriter Tiamo. In this interview... Tiamo generously shares secrets and strategies about how he combined his singing, songwriting, and storytelling into a very successful and personally fulfilling public speaking career, even letting us in on how he created and books his lucrative keynote concerts, which, by the way, result in a ton of CD sales. So who is this guy? Tiamo De Vittori? was recently named L.A. Music Awards Singer-Songwriter of the Year and has spoken to over 70,000 people at seminars and conferences. Tiamo combines speaking with live music to deliver his keynote concerts to audiences worldwide. Tiamo's been featured on Fox, CBS, NBC, and MSNBC. He's appeared as a guest on Jimmy Kimmel's stage, and has shared the stage with speaker icons of all kinds. Tiamo leads his own multi-six-figure live workshops as founder and CEO of Fearless Speaker Academy and inspires emerging speakers and music artists to share their message with the world. And of course, that's where you come in. So sit back and enjoy all this information. Let us know if you find it helpful and remember that your reviews on iTunes help me do this. For more information on Tiamo, go to FearlessSpeakerBlueprint.com. And he offers a very special gift at the end of the interview. So be sure and listen for it. Here we go. Okay, Tiamo. First of all, is that the way you
1: pronounce
2: T-I-A-M-O, Tiamo?
1: It is. Yeah, sounds good. Okay.
2: <laughs> good. Okay, good. All right, well let's just get right into it. There's so much that you know that my blog readers and podcast listeners uh, are interested in because they are about all things vocal. So let me ask you to begin with, what led you into the concept of doing keynote concerts in the first place? Uh, I understand you you kind of started out in the music business and took a sort of a, a left or right turn there. Did you start out as a speaker or a singer?
1: Yeah, thank you for that great question. So I started out as a singer-songwriter. I did that for a long time, and I'm still doing that. But, you know, something that I, I really discovered uh, that was pivotal for me in growing my business, particularly doing keynote concerts, is that you know I found that people's favorite parts of my shows was when I told the stories about the songs. And that's what people, you know, most anticipated and looked forward to and is, like, they, they felt more connected to me and they got to see, like, what that song was about. That was their favorite part. And so, you know, eventually as I was, as a singer-songwriter, I started learning more about public speaking. Um, I realized that motivational speakers are great storytellers with a message. Hmm. Right. And on a deeper level, I knew that well I tell stories too. I just never put it in the context of speaking because I didn't see myself as a speaker. I just saw myself as a singer-songwriter that tells stories in between my songs. But then I thought, wait a second here. Like I you know, I tell stories too and and I have a message too. So what if I took ownership of that, and I called myself a speaker. So when I did that, I mean, I what I did is I integrated my speaking, my singing, and my songwriting, and so it evolved to encapsulate all of those things. So it wasn't like I had to leave any of them out. And in fact, integrating them all made me even more of a unique speaker, more of a unique singer-songwriter, and much more marketable, because for companies, schools, and organizations, you know, when they're looking for speakers, they want something that's more dynamic, that's fresh, that's new, that's creative, that's exciting, that's an emotional experience. And so that's something that I really offer through live music and speaking. And, of course, you know, in the context of being a singer-songwriter, when I shared that I tell stories, and, and I'm a speaker as well, it also made me more dynamic in those contexts. So it really, like, it was just so much more unique. It felt more like me um, because I love all of those things, and it was just a much fuller experience for people.
2: You know, I think you are so right because I've always maintained that art should make the world a better place somehow and that we do it by really expressing our own uniqueness and I think that every singer-songwriter, whether they're a major artist that writes or, or sings somebody's material that they feel like, you know, they, they could actually express or whatever, they, everybody tends to have sort of a centrality to what they know and who they are and how the world can benefit from that message. And in this very scattered place for a person who is an artist, It's so wonderful to see what you've done, which is to integrate everything that you do in a holistic manner into something valuable. And you actually are making money doing it, but the money that you're making and the career that you're having is almost like gravy because the thing that makes what you do valuable is this holistic expressing of your message. And uh, I, I just, when I... Found out about you. I was so excited because I so believe that that's the way we can as artists in a sane way sort of go about thinking about doing our art, you know, whatever that art is. So you've figured out how to join your performing, your recording, uh your speaking and your central message. It sounds like your love for people, too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a wonderful way for me to connect to people from stage and I do it in a way that's a full expression of, of who I am. And you said it so well. And that art is really a filter for emotion and the expression mm-hmm. of that. And so to combine that emotion with the speaking and the message and and then also being able to, you know, have my albums and sell those too and get paid up front for what I'm doing, it's just it combines everything that I love and makes it even more valuable for the audiences, the people who book
2: Right. What do you notice in your audience's reaction when you add music to your active speaking presentation? Tiamo, does it make you think that your music actually transports your message into a deeper place in people's psyches to make them actually act on what you're saying than if you were just speaking it?
1: It does for a few reasons, because music is what feelings sound like. <laughs> well put. So I feel like I can convey that through the live music element and then through the message. And then, you know, you talked about people taking action and people take inspired action when they feel the emotion in the moment. Like it's usually it doesn't come from their mind where they're okay, I'm gonna sit down now, I'm gonna like plan out my action plan. But it's when they feel like beyond their mindset, when they feel like they're in an emotional state where they're ready to do this and they've just been like waiting for the right message to come through and it comes through so amazingly through music because music carries a wavelength, it carries a vibration that then reaches people and elevates them in the moment. And then in that moment people's fears dissolve because that's what music can do. It can help people get out of that fear space and into a space of inspiration. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this thing. For me, that's what makes Uh, what I'm doing with speaking just so much more impactful is because it's like it's one thing to tell the story and then share the message, but then to get my guitar out and to sing it. There's like, it's like the song carries the message for me. And music just lands with people in a way that like nothing else can, you know, and so because of that, I feel that people are way more likely to leave, you know, if I'm doing it, let's say an hour talk. And I've incorporated the music in it. Like, they, they they've somewhere in my set, they they stood up, they're dancing. I get them singing with me, right? So it's not just about me. It becomes about us. And so they're singing with me, and there is power in these numbers of, you know, let's say I'm in front of an audience of 500 people. And we're all singing the song together. Next thing you know, like, becomes, you know, some people have got tears in their eyes, right? And it, yes, just it moving. becomes
2: instant community, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. Yeah, very well said.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, we've talked about the most important part of what you do, which is your why. Uh, And uh, so let's get into a couple of specifics about the how, (laughs) the how you do what you do. Um, I've noticed some of your video clips of you on stage shows you uh, speaking over and playing with tracks, uh, but you're just holding a guitar. Um, how do you how have you figured out how to do that? What kind, do you bring gear with you, or do you specify gear that you need for your presentation?
1: Uh, the majority of the time it's just me and my guitar, so it's mm-hmm. acoustic um, and it's very simple, right? I just need a microphone, I need to plug in my guitar, and we're ready to go. Um, oh, cool. Sometimes, like you're referring to with a track, is uh, because I will actually write a custom song for the company. And so um, if I write custom songs for the company, let's say around the theme of their conference or something like that, and then I'll record it in the studio because they they probably want like a fully produced version. So I have like the fully produced version and then I'll have them play the track and I'll take the guitar track out of the song. Um, So the fully produced version is there, but I take out the vocals and the guitar track and then I play my live guitar and then I sing live as well. So wow! Perfect. The fact is, that the the fullness of it without having to have like a whole band and everything else. So sometimes, you know, because they hire me to do the custom song at the well, I'll do like that track. But if they don't, then I'll just do me and my guitar.
2: Another amazing thing you can do because you're a songwriter. <laughs> That's great. Exactly. I bet you sell. I bet you sell more physical CDs too uh, at your presentations. Uh, because people want to take home the memory of the the emotion they just felt when they've decided to do something different.
1: Well, I usually sell out of my CDs, right, because of that reason and because something that I do um, with, let's say, a company is I'll invite them to buy my album as a gift for, you know, my tie into oh, professional yeah. development. So then the company, right. if like I said, if there's 500 employees there, then they actually buy the albums from me, so they buy 500. So everyone in the audience gets the album, and then people can take them. Wow, the Perfect. That way, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So it's a gifting. Oh my gosh! It's, it's Seth Godin is one of my favorite uh, marketing gurus, and he he says that advertising should make actually make the world a better place. So the the cool thing is that you figured out a way to sell your CDs, but in doing so, the companies that you sell them to are going to make the world a better place for their employees because they do give them something to uh, uh, encourage them and 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 help them be persistent in what they what they you know trying to do. That's awesome. Uh, do you do presentations for different age groups or do they tend to be the same age?
1: I do different age groups. So I do high school students. I do college students. Um, so there's like there's, you know there's a youth market with high schools and colleges. And a lot of times that's around leadership development and things like that. And then I, of course, do adults with associations, companies, organizations, corporations, all of that stuff.
2: And you sort of customize your message to the audience that you're speaking for,
1: right? I do. Yeah, somewhere, you know, when they hire me, I'll I'll talk about what's the, the message that you really want me to convey. And I will customize it towards that age group. Um, so that it resonates with them on a higher level. And it's just more impactful that way, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. How do you remember what you want to say for your presentations? Do you personally uh, have notes on stage or do you sort of extrapolate from your memory of the points that you want to make?
1: Well, so really what I'm trying to do is create an emotional experience for people. One of the greatest things I've learned is that people don't remember content and information. They remember emotions. So, you know, one of the greatest things that frees me up and takes the pressure off off of, you know, trying to remember so much content is that people aren't going to remember it anyway. Now, (laughs) I do want to deliver some content, right? But my number one priority is the emotional experience. So, you know, what I do now, it, it keeps it very simple in answering your question around how do I remember it. Is that, you know, essentially if I have like a 45 minute or an hour long, you know, concert, I'll pretty much tell three stories and I'll sing three original songs. And what I love about that is I don't forget my stories, right? Like I've lived them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to forget what happened. I'm just up there on stage telling my story. And then in between the story and the song, maybe I just, you know, I have a short message. Which is not that hard to remember. And then I, you know, I sing my songs. So if there's any teaching content, what I try to do is, is not really have, you know, a big PowerPoint presentation because I feel like that takes away mm. from the emotional experience I'm trying to create for people.
2: The phrase is death by PowerPoint?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like feeding low yeah. people into sleep. And it's like, so uh, I'm not saying, like, don't do PowerPoint if you're going to do it, you know, what I've done in the past even though I, I don't really do that many PowerPoints anymore. But in the past, like, I would have pictures on there or a video or maybe a few, you know, just a few bullet points. Um, I've also had for longer presentations, I may have some notes up there on stage. But I have, it's very subtle. Like, if I have a podium or a stand, um, I have them right there. And I'm just kind of, like, in between stories or if I'm teaching some content, I might glance at it, right? But it's just like a really quick glance so, you know, I know where I'm at with, within my presentation.
2: Right. And then I right.
1: continue on with the message and the stories, and it just flows really well.
2: Do you ever look into the faces of your audience, and uh, it makes you say something you wouldn't say otherwise? I do, sort of a yeah. A reaction or a, an interaction with the face that you're seeing and the response that you're getting?
1: Yeah, and, I, you know, I really believe that spontaneity is creating the next highest version of yourself. And I think Absolutely. in the in the context of how I deliver the, you know, content, because I don't have, like, so much content that I'm trying to deliver and, like, pack it all in, I do create some space for those spontaneous moments where, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I, can, I feel that someone in the audience has something they want to say or, like you said, you know, reading their faces or their body language And, you know, I might kind of go off-road a little bit for a couple minutes. I might actually ask the audience a question. So then it creates this interaction, it creates this conversation rather than just like, you know, I'm talking, you're listening. And so on almost every presentation, I leave some space for that because sometimes that's where the most magic is.
2: You know, I've actually integrated that into my vocal training method. The third cornerstone in my method is called performance of power path and performance and it's all Mm -hmm. about if you're delivering a message you're not doing it to a brick wall your job is to get somebody to understand what you're saying and you can't mind read so you have to sort of look for reactions and that should adjust the way you're delivering your message your tone of voice even if you're saying the same words your tone of voice or something to get people to understand so that the heart you're talking to even if it's in the studio. You know, and they're not actually physically present, and you're playing with your imaginary friend here. The heart you're mm-hmm. talking to responds to your message. And that sounds like that's, uh, that you've hit upon that as well. That's awesome. Um, how do you prepare for your interviews or performances? I'm going to ask you something that every good vocal coach would. Do you warm
1: mm-hmm. up? Do you warm your voice up? Um, yeah, in the past I didn't, but uh, I now do. Yeah, I mean, it's so important, especially if you're talking for an hour. I mean, sometimes I'll do 90 minutes, right? So if I'm talking and singing and all of that, like, I have to be a full force. So I do warm up, and I also, um, a lot of times in preparing, I um, I meditate a little bit um, mm-hmm. just to get, you know, centered and relaxed and detached as well. And so that when I come out on stage, I feel totally Present, and it feels like time just slows down for me. Um, right. I'm really in my element. Mm-hmm.
2: Perfect. That's, I think that's the, what the greatest artists do. How do you find events? If one of my listeners, or myself even, which I am considering this, uh, if you're considering giving keynote concerts, can you take us through some of your uh, strategies for getting booked?
1: Yeah, well, there's really there's two types of stages. So you have platform stages, which is where uh, you speak for free, but you sell a product or a service, um, and uh-huh. so that usually happens through seminars. And then you have keynote stages, and really, keynote is where you get paid upfront to speak, but you don't sell anything on the back end. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, starting with platform stages, you know, one of the best ways for me is actually going to seminars and meeting people there. You know, when I started out doing this at seminars, I would go with the intention of maybe I can get up on stage, you know, during the seminar. And that's how I first got on stages is I would ask to um, meet the uh, either the seminar leader or the event coordinator and have a conversation with them and see Excellent. if I might be a fit, yeah, if I might be a fit for a seminar in the near future. Or, you know, sometimes I'm just like, I'm here right now. Can I get up on stage mm-hmm. and, and do something? And I've always brought my guitar to these events. And <laughs> anytime I can, like it might be in the green room or a break room or something like that, I would say, well, you know, I know you haven't heard me, but I can do it right now. And usually they don't turn that down, right? So it's like, yeah, sure, you know, get your guitar out, let's hear it. And then I do it, and there's times where I got up on stage at the event. But, you know, a lot of times as far as the seminar world, it's a matter of either getting in touch directly with the seminar leader or their team or the person that's planning their event and saying, you know, I have something really unique and dynamic that I think your audience would love that will complement and enhance your message through live music and stories. So I get booked on platform stages through that in the seminar world. And then when we look at the keynote world, there's really a number of different markets to concentrate on. And I won't go into all of them, but the top ones would be, like, the corporate market, you know, because they're doing annual meetings and banquets and, and training. Then there's the association market, which there's just thousands of associations. And then there's also the academic market, which I touched upon, which is high schools and colleges. And so when we break it down with those three major markets, you know, with the corporate stages, what I do is I get in touch with event planners because event planners are always looking for speakers. And one of the biggest misconceptions that speakers have is that event planners have booked all the speakers they need when, in fact, 70% of event planners don't know where to find speakers and they're looking for them. So there's way more speaking gigs than there are speakers. Where do you go
2: to find the uh, event planners or the, uh, you know, the places to call?
1: So one of the ways is you actually just contact the companies directly. I mean, you can do a search Mm -hmm. for – one of my favorite searches is best companies to work for in, you know, whatever your city or town is. Ooh, Because they're they're usually the more progressive ones. So you do it – you just type that in, best companies to work for in – like I live in San Diego, so I put San Diego – you can do a search for a Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 companies. And then eventually, in contacting the companies, you find out if they have an annual event, which they almost always do. And then you find out who the event planner is and then you contact the event planner directly. So that's one way of doing it, which is really nice because, again, event planners are looking for people to fill their stages. So when you go to them, it actually saves them that work. The other thing is, to meet them in person. So event planners uh, will get together for either local or regional conferences. And there's a lot of chapters in, like, every city. So, you know, what you can do is actually go to an event planner chapter meeting. And there you have all these event planners. You might have, let's say, 50 event planners in one place. Wow. What I try to do is I go there and not only meet them in person, but then ask the organizer of that chapter meeting if I can do a mini keynote concert for them. So right. if they give me 10 minutes, I might tell one quick story and sing a song, and then I tell everyone, hey, I do, this is what I do. I do keynote concerts. Do you have an event coming up? So now they've, they've seen me in person. And I can also do this at regional or national conferences where there's maybe hundreds or even thousands of event planners. And I take my guitar and I relationship build with people.
2: Yeah, it's always has to do with networking as well where people get to know like really? and trust you just like they do online. Yeah. Do you find speaker agencies of any use?
1: I do, and I'm part of two of them. Mm-hmm. I've also found that a lot of speaker agencies have so many other speakers on their yeah, roster. I, it, so i found, me personally, I've had the most success on my own. Yeah. It's, it's helpful, it's nice. And, and, you know, if you might be with an agency or a bureau that then really gets behind you and, and pushes you a lot, and that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it's not needed. You know, I've had success without it. And it's only until recently, until this last year, that I've been with an agency, but, like, I've been doing this for, you know, almost 10 years, and um, it's just been all on my own. So I feel like, you know, I'd just rather rather go directly to to the source and um, and for them to get to know me. And then, you know, once they book me, then a lot of times they have me coming back every year, too, and then that continues to build and grow on itself.
2: Wow. That's kind of like the record label business where – you actually don't get a major deal until you almost don't need one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually that's true. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, how yeah. do you decide how much to charge? Is the fee offered to you, or do you come up with the first number for the negotiation?
1: I, I always ask them what their budget is. And, yeah, uh, that's a great because, way to start it out. Oh, yeah. You know, once I gauge that they're interested, then you know, I say, well, what's your budget for the speaker for this event? Because they have. A solid speaker budget. Now, one, one distinction I want to clarify is that, you know, before when I was trying to book myself as a music artist, their budget for a music artist is way less than for speakers, right? <laughs> so, like, let's say a corporation, for example, their budget for the entertainment or the, the musicians might be like, you know, let's say $500. Whereas mm-hmm. their budget for the speaker is 10000 right? Because that's mm-hmm. just how it works. So, for me, All I did is I changed the language. You know, I'm still doing the exact same thing. I'm speaking and performing. So I'm still like my singer-songwriter self. But Mm -hmm. I would just say I'm a speaker. So changing that around now, automatically, I, you know, I'm attracting a much greater fee. And then I would ask them what their budget is. And if they tell me what their budget is, you know, the reason why I ask that is it's usually a lot higher than we think. So in my mind, I might be thinking... Mm -hmm yeah I might be thinking like you know five thousand, but I find out that their budget really is fifteen thousand mm-hmm. so that's my that's my first question, and uh, I usually i'll I'll get a sense from their response now if i don't if I still don't know what their budget is or they don't want to tell me, then you know I'll have to make a move and I'll have to say something usually an average keynote fee for like you know we're kind of talking about the corporate world now of course we could go into the academic world and association world and all that but like you know an average you keynote would be about five thousand.
2: Do you uh, include travel expenses or do the travel expenses have to come out of your fee?
1: So let's say my fee is ten thousand, then they'll pay the ten thousand and then they will cover the travel and the hotel and and the food and all that stuff.
2: That's great, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you have been so generous with your with your information. I, I can see why. You are a well-sought-after entity here, and you've been on so many uh, big, major media uh, shows, TV shows and everything else. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there a particular one that you enjoyed the interview on?
1: It's really, you know, it's not like so much like big names or anything like that. It's really the audience. You know, one of my favorite ones, and maybe it's because it's the most recent, but Um, I was a guest speaker for a cancer survivor women's group. You know, as cool as radio is and, like, TV and all that, I mean, that's great, but a lot of times there's a disconnect with the audience, right, because you're just Mm -hmm. being interviewed. You don't know who's on the other end. You know, I always try to envision that and touch lives through what I'm sharing in an interview, but I recently did a Skype interview with this. There was this workshop, and they were all – women cancer survivors, and they all have a desire to share their story and their message and inspiration with the world. And so you know, really being able to be interviewed in that format in front of them and to hear their voices and to see their faces, like, that was just really touching and, um, you know, and empowering them to get their voice out there into the world. That was one of my favorites. And there's there's others, too, but that's one of the, one of the great examples we.
2: Team, I can hear you going back to your reason, to your why you're doing this, and I think it's so important that we always remember that that the the money, the fame, the career and all that is always secondary to the real power of our voices, of the of the message. So, I I just applaud you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. What what do you offer to help people to uh do similar things like my audience of course are people that are interested in the voice they're they're public speakers or they're singer-songwriters or they're artists or or people that have always wanted to be those things interested in all things vocal Uh, what uh, do you offer people then where can they go to get it
1: yeah thank you for asking that one of the best ways for for people to learn a lot more about this is actually come to my live workshop because we spend three days together and I really dive in deep with all of this. and there's so much that you know I'm not covering now but like oh sure yeah not only what this looks like but the how and 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 how to break through into this world and make a living doing it if that's something that you want to do and have a lot of success with it because really like I just share my journey and what works and what hasn't worked and I filter all of that and I say here it is and I give templates, and I share my stories and my experiences, and then, you know, so ultimately that you will be able to go out in the world and do this, too, in your own unique way. So um, my live workshop is coming up in February. It's February 4th through the 6th, and that's going to be in San Diego, and so I'm selling tickets to that. The regular ticket price is $1,997 for the three days. What I'm doing for your listeners, however, is I wanted to create a scholarship for them. So I am offering a free scholarship ticket to the event, and it's for the full three days where they'll come and be coached by me in person to really create this from the ground up. For people who want to come to the event, um, I actually... Uh, I've been doing really well as far as ticket sales. And as far as the scholarships, I do have eight scholarship tickets left. So I would definitely, if you want to get one of those scholarships, I would do that right away.
2: Don't even hesitate. To my listeners and readers, don't hesitate. You need to hop on this right away.
1: Yeah, so I'll give you the website for that. It's uh, fearlessspeakeracademy.com. Forward slash scholarship. So again, okay. it's fearlessspeakeracademy.com forward slash scholarship.
2: And that's spelled S C H O L A R S H I P. And I'm there right now. So again, thank you so much. This is an amazing uh, gift to us, dear all things vocal audience. And I do hope some of you get out there. Uh, I may try to do it myself. Tiamo, you've been so wonderful and so generous, again, with your information. I've so enjoyed this chat and hope to meet you in person before too long.
1: I would love that. Yeah, thank you for creating this time together. And and uh, I'm really touched that you would share me with your audience. I know how valuable that is. And I hope that the people who are listening are moved to, to take action with this because it's It's so exciting. It's so real because I've done it, and I hope to have the opportunity to show you how so that you can get out there and and create a lot of magic in the world doing this in in this way. So thank you so much for this.
2: All right. Well, again, everyone, go to www.fearlessspeakeracademy.com slash scholarship. And we'll see you next time on All Things Vocal.